Romans 10, verse 14 to 15 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in them? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. My message for y'all this morning is called, I've got some good news. And I think we should just pray before we dive into it. Does that sound good? Well, God, I thank you so much that we could come here into your house today, that we could come into your presence being fully welcomed and embraced by you. God, I thank you that you are here right now with us. And so God, in this moment, we lean in to hear what it is that you have to say. We're here to worship you. We're here to grow closer with you. We're here to learn more about you. And so God, would you speak to us today and would you remind us of this good news? In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, there were two key moments over the last few weeks that kind of inspired this particular message for today. Firstly, God had directed me to the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote a letter to a man named Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, he said, And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And when I read that, the word that really stood out to me out of the three was herald. Because I had a more familiarity, more understanding with the other two, with apostle. Maybe you haven't heard that before, but that is someone who is called to build the church in a pioneering way. And a teacher is someone who unpacks big concepts in a way that is easy for others to understand. But we don't often use the word herald in today's world. Like we read the New Zealand Herald. We sing, hark the herald angels sing. But do we really understand what it means to be appointed as a herald? And in the second moment that kind of solidified that this is what God was trying to say today was when Frosty was preaching last week and he shared this message about being set apart and being anointed for God's work and for God's glory. And he shared about how Jesus came to this world and took on the form of a man so that he could proclaim a few things. He wanted to proclaim good news, freedom, and favor. And to proclaim comes from the Latin derivative that means to shout forth. That means to proclaim is not to speak in a subtle, non-commanding tone, like if you hear me, okay. No, but it's to speak with authority. It's to speak with intention. It's to shout forth so that people will hear you. To proclaim is an activity of a herald. And so I did some research on heralds, and heralds in the Middle Ages, they were these officers charged with carrying important messages to and from opposing armies. Heralds often were also delegated authorities that represented royalty, kings and queens. When heralds spoke, others listened. Now, maybe you've seen heralds depicted in different movies. When they come and they roll out their scroll to share their announcement and say, hear ye, hear ye, right? We've, we've seen those before, <laughs> which simply meant, listen to me, listen to me. And in Spanish, the word that they use for listen is spelled O-Y-E, oye, oye, which for all the Kiwis is just, oi, oi. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> like, I knew I had fully gotten into the Kiwi culture when I was a youth pastor back at our botany campus, and I walked into our foyer one day where there were some of our teenage youth there shoving their skateboards into a cupboard, and they were just swearing their heads off, and they didn't realize I had walked into the room. I go, oi, and all of a sudden those boys snapped their heads back, and they realized, oh, there's some authority in the room. We shouldn't talk like that. Um, but we live in this world 
where people are shouting at us from every angle, trying to share with us different news of the day. And sadly, what we hear a lot these days, not a lot of it, seems to be good. We hear a lot of rubbish. And so we start to believe a lot of rubbish. And when we believe it in our hearts, it starts to overflow from our mouths as we speak. And this is important to talk about because what we proclaim actually has so much power on our perspective in life. There is power in our proclamation, and there is power in the words that we speak. You know, when you keep saying things like, well, bad things always happen to me, or bad things happen in threes and two bad things this week, I'm just waiting for the third one. Guess what? You're focusing only on the bad, so you're going to miss a lot of the good. When you keep saying things like, well, no one could ever love me, guess what? You're going to focus only on all your flaws and forget about all the good that you have to offer somebody in a relationship. When you say things like, well, Jesus, he could never save me guess what? You are only listening to the narrative that you have written for yourself, and you're completely ignoring the narrative that Jesus rewrote for you when he came to proclaim the good news. Maybe you've heard of confirmation bias. It's a completely real thing. And basically what confirmation bias is, it's when you find in the world exactly what you expect to find. Now here's what I mean by that. If you expect bad news, you're going to find it. You will. It's confirmation bias. If you expect loneliness and rejection, you're going to find it. If you expect the narrative you have written for yourself to be confirmed, guess what? You can find that confirmation easily, even though there's this new narrative that is on offer to you. But this also tells me that if you expect good news, you can find it. There is power in what we proclaim. You know, there's a lot of different directions we could go with this message today, but I strongly feel like today we need to talk about how we as believers proclaim the gospel message, not just to ourselves, but to all those around us. Because Jesus came with all authority to proclaim good news to a broken humanity. He came with the good news of the gospel, grace, freedom, salvation, But that message was not just for him to proclaim. That's the message that every believer is meant to pick up and carry with them as they represent Jesus in the world today. We're supposed to pick up that message and carry it with us to the ends of the earth so that all nations will hear it. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And y'all, this isn't just talking about Jesus' beautiful feet, okay? You could have some beautiful feet if you were a messenger who brought some good news. You could actually become someone, like Shermaine was talking about, someone who recognizes there is greatness on their life. You could become someone who, when you walk into a room, others lean in to listen to hear what you have to say. When you walk into a room, you could command authority and the attention of people if you walk in with some good news, with authority and with purpose. You could actually be a herald of hope to a world that desperately needs it. You know, when I was writing this message, I was thinking of those scenes that come up in the movie. I've seen this scene so many times in so many different movies where they're all in like a boardroom around a conference table and they're all updating the boss on how different parts of the project are going and they're all sharing some bad news, like things are just not going well and they're all getting scared and they don't want to speak up, but they have to share their thing. And then the boss is like, does anybody have some good news, right? That happens in so many movies all the time. Why? Because People are looking for others in this world to actually be the bearer of good news. They can hear bad news from anybody, but they're looking for heralds of hope. Somebody who can walk into a room and say, I've got some good news. In 1 Peter 
chapter 3, verse 15, it says, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. Now, it goes on to say with gentleness and respect. Don't miss that, y'all. We explain our hope as believers with gentleness and respect, but it urges us to be prepared because people will ask you about it in this life. And I don't want you to miss a moment to actually be a herald of hope to a broken world. And as I looked at the history of heralds, I was able to better understand why Paul declared in this letter that he was appointed as one. Theologian J.I. Packer, he said, Paul is at pains to say that he is not a philosopher, not a moralist, not one of the world's wise men, but simply Christ's herald, adding nothing, altering nothing, omitting nothing. He was appointed as a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. He was appointed to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. You see, heralds, they were known to bring significant, compelling messages, significant, compelling declarations on behalf of a king. That means they never spoke from their own position of authority. They spoke from the authority of the king, of the one that they represented, of the one who sent them. A herald, they would speak for a king or not at all. A herald knew that the platform that they spoke from was not one that they had crafted through their own talents or ambitions, but it was actually a platform that was appointed to them and given to them by the king that they represented. And Paul is saying that when he's saying he's appointed as a herald, he's saying, I was appointed and I was anointed as a herald to King Jesus. Meaning when he proclaimed the good news, he was proclaiming it not from his own human authority, not from his own human weakness, but rather from the authority of the king who had sent him. That meant he was proclaiming it with the power of the Holy Spirit moving through him. Now, if you want to be a herald of hope who could walk into any situation, any room, and say, hey, I've got some good news, there's a few ways that you can proclaim this good news. And the first is to proclaim it by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, when we become believers, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the triune God that comes to dwell within the heart of a Christian. And that means we become temples that house the presence of God here on earth. We become vessels for the Holy Spirit to move and work through us. And that is good news because it means when we go out and we proclaim the gospel message, we're not doing it through our own strength. We're not doing it through our own power, our own human weakness, but we're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, the power of the Holy Spirit who has all authority to speak through us. Now, this is good news, that we can proclaim the good news and the gospel message by God's power, not our own, because we have become his delegated authority here on earth to proclaim this message to anybody that we might encounter. In the same way that heralds represented a king, we become heralds of hope that represent King Jesus wherever he's going to send us to the ends of the earth. And it's important that we represent our king well. Because back in the Middle Ages, if a herald tried to twist the message of the king and actually started to report things from their own authority, twisting things, they could be killed. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but they had to take their job seriously of who they represented. We have to take it seriously of who we represent here in this world and in this life. Because we have been entrusted with the most important message that the world will ever hear. When you become a believer 
and a herald of hope, we need to understand that we are simply the messenger, not the message. We're the representative, not the king. And so it's not just who we are, but it's who is empowering us to speak this message out to a broken world. And so when it comes to this message, it's so important that we know not just the words that we say, but also how we represent God in everything that we do. So if we want to proclaim this message well, we need to proclaim it with purity in our hearts. Proclaim the good news with purity in your heart. And let me unpack this for a second. With 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, and then 5 through 7, it says, We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Now this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. See, heralds of the gospel, they understand it's not about the glory of the messenger and how cool you are. It's about the transformative power of the message that you share. You know, when I preach from this platform, I know it's not about me. It's about the message God has given me to share. And when I stand here before you or right now pregnant sitting here before you as a herald, I am doing my best to represent the king who has appointed me and anointed me for this position to pastor this church alongside my husband. I I know that I only have this authority to speak to you because God gave it to me. I know that we only have this platform to preach to you because God gave it to us. Tim Hine, he's a pastor in Australia. He said, the temptation of the herald is always to become the news rather than declare the news. To build a profile, to be known, to get a platform. Heralds, they know the difference between bearing the news and being the news. Y'all, there is a difference that we need to be aware of between bearing the news and being the news. But when you've been given a platform and it's so easy to be tempted into building it up for yourself and being known as a somebody, starting to build a personal brand, you know. There's this Australian couple on the block that literally left after a few days because it didn't fit their brand as influencers. (laughs) Brand has become a buzzword for our generation. But y'all, when I become a herald of hope, it's so easy to be tempted to make it about you and about your brand rather than about Jesus, the king you represent. Now look, I, Darcy Frost, do not have a personal brand. My brand is Jesus. And that should be the same for every Christian because he's the one that we represent. He's the one who's given us authority. My brand, it's Jesus. And so I need to remind myself of that when I feel inadequate, when I feel like I don't know what words to say in my own humanity, when I feel like he should have asked somebody else to preach instead of me, I remind myself, well, Darcy, it's not about you. It's actually about the king who sent you. It's about Jesus, and it's about his message. So just be the messenger and say what he wants you to say. And that should be a relief for all of us that we don't have to try to come up with, how do we share the gospel? How do we share the good news? Uh, If we are living empowered by the Holy Spirit, he will give us the wisdom and the words to say, and we simply need to say it with purity in our hearts as well, to know that it's not about us. It's about the message we carry. Like the Apostle Paul 
we shouldn't feel the urge to add anything, alter anything, or omit anything from the gospel. That's important. We don't twist it to make people feel comfortable because, remember, we're not the message. Jesus is. We're simply the messengers. When we proclaim the gospel message, the hope of Jesus, we need to have purity in our hearts to know we're not the ones trying to be the news. We're just simply trying to bear the news. And not just with our lips, but also with our lives as well. Now, I'm sure you've said it before, but I'll say it again. The sermon of your life, how you live, it speaks far louder than whatever sermon you speak from your lips. Because people will watch what you do more than they listen to what you say. Right? That happens with kids. They watch their parents more than they listen to their parents. But remember, we talked about the, the different stages of believers, you know, a few weeks ago and how there are infants and children in the faith. Guess what? They're watching what you do more than listening to what you say. It's important that we don't just speak the gospel, but we live the gospel with our lives as well. We need to line up our actions with the words that we are preaching. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 8 says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but rather of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Now look, in this life, as a Christian, will you have critics? Absolutely. Paul did. Timothy did. Jesus did. Heck, y'all, they crucified him, okay? You will have critics. But this message is so powerful and so valuable that it's worth all the haters, it is worth the criticism you might face for how you choose to live differently, set apart, anointed by God and for his glory. It's worth it all to be set apart and appointed by God. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I mean all of it because there are parts of the gospel, parts of the Bible that might make people uncomfortable. But guess what? I'm not ashamed about it because it's not my message. I didn't write the book. I didn't write the Bible. It's not my message. It's actually Jesus' message, God's plan for humanity, God's plan. He is our creator. He created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. I am simply bearing that message, that hope for a broken humanity. So that means we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel because guess what? You didn't write it. God did. God wrote it. You're simply his messenger, his herald of hope here in this world. And so we should proclaim it with the purpose of being heard. Proclaim it with the purpose of being heard. Now, fun fact, heralds and trumpeters, they were once included in the Olympic Games. I, how legit, just picture it for a moment, okay? 396 BC, they were, they had this contest, that's when it started, and they were judged on their audibility, that means how well can you hear them, and their enunciation, how well can you understand them, how well do they pronounce their words. For what's the point of being a herald if people can't hear you or understand you? See, heralds, they were once considered athletes with their voices, so I'm just saying, if it was once in the Olympic Games, y'all, I'm an athlete, okay? You can't tell me otherwise. In fact, studies, I don't know which studies, but studies, they have shown that the energy used for preaching a 30-minute sermon is the equivalent of an eight-hour workday. So when I get to the end of my sermon and I'm breathless and I'm puffed, it's not because I'm 30 weeks pregnant. It's because I'm an athlete, okay? Just saying. <laughs> But as a herald of hope, you need to proclaim the truth 
with the purpose of being heard, with the purpose that people will hear you. And who, who needs to hear you first and foremost? You. You need to hear this, this message first because you need to first change the narrative of your own life. You need to first declare the saving grace of the gospel over your own soul and convince your own mind that you believe the words that you declare. You need to proclaim the truth of the gospel over your own life if you actually want to change the narrative and see that transformation take place and start expecting good news for your own life. So it starts with you. And then secondly, you need to proclaim the truth of God with the purpose of being heard by the enemy the devil, the father of lies, because the enemy, guess what? He's not intimidated by sideline believers that just jump into whatever team based on who they're with and change their mind, change the gospel based on who they're hanging out with. The devil, he doesn't care about those people. He's not intimidated by them. You know who intimidates the enemy? It's the believers that speak the truth of God every time he tries to whisper a lie. It's the believers that actually proclaim the saving grace of the gospel every time the enemy tries to remind them of their past. It's the believers who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, being daily transformed by God's grace and God's goodness, and living with purpose and intention to represent the king of heaven's armies. That's who intimidates the enemy. So make sure you proclaim the truth with the purpose of being heard by the enemy. And then... After you believe it, after you know the devil knows where you stand, then you can start to become a herald that shares the message of hope with a broken humanity. That's when individuals and crowds, they'll start to listen to the power of your testimony. That's when you walk into a room and all of a sudden people, they'll realize, well, she has something to say. He has something to say. I need to hear that person's story. That's all of a sudden you're going to command the attention because people will realize you are there representing a royal king. That's when you become a messenger who's got some beautiful feet because you bring in good news. You see, God has appointed me as a herald to speak from this particular platform, but you need to figure out what your platform is because maybe your platform Maybe he's anointed you and appointed you as a herald to your classroom, to your uni lecture hall. Maybe you're meant to be a herald to your office. Maybe you're meant to be a herald to your online followers or to your building site or to another nation. Maybe you're meant to be a herald to your childhood friends. If you're the only one out of that friend group that has become a Christian, maybe you're supposed to witness to them. Maybe you're supposed to be a herald to your family, to your kids, or maybe to your parents. Maybe you're meant to be a herald to your clients or your neighbors. Or maybe you're meant to be a herald to strangers who you set up, God sets up these divine appointments where you meet these people and you know that there's purpose and intention in meeting them and you've just got to figure out what it is that God wants to say to them. Never assume that a platform is simply a stage built for somebody to preach on. A platform is wherever God has appointed you and anointed you. And you've got that platform, so you've got to figure out what it is that is your platform that God has appointed you and anointed you, set you apart so that you could share the message that he gave you to proclaim. Lopati, you can come join me now. But Matthew 24, verse 14 says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. In order for all nations to hear it, We need all Christians to declare it. We need all Christians to proclaim it, 
not just with our words, but with the lives that we lead. We need all Christians to own the platform that you have been given, the influence that you have been given in whatever sphere of the world that you are, whatever sphere of influence that you uh, reside within, that's where God wants you to speak from. Because you are meant to proclaim the greatest message that the world has ever heard. And if you're thinking, well, Darcy, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to share the gospel. Here it is in a nutshell. The first thing that you need others to know is that God loves them. That God loves every single person that he created. Even the ones that annoy you. Even the ones that you might hate. You need to first deal with that hate in your heart. But God loves every single person. People need to know that. That the creator of the universe loves them. God loves you. That's the first thing. And you need to know, just like Shermaine said earlier, that we're created in his image. And he actually wants to be in community with us. He wants us to be with him. But we've all sinned, all of us. I've sinned, you've sinned, everybody's sinned. That means we've done wrong things according to God's glorious standard. And I mean glorious, perfect standard. And those sins, they separate us from a perfect, holy God. So we know that God loves us. And we know that God wants to be in community with us. God wants to be in relationship with us. But there's this sin in our lives that separates us from being in relationship with a holy, perfect God. And the penalty of sin is eternal death. But like I said, God loves us. So he made a way that we could actually be reunited with him. And he sent his son, Jesus, to this earth to pay the price for all of our sin, the price that we deserve to pay. Jesus hung on that cross in our place and he bared the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders. He died, but then he rose again. And that resurrection, which was witnessed by hundreds, thousands, that resurrection meant that he had overcome death. He had overcome sin. And he was inviting us to jump into eternal life with him. That was the invitation for us, is to say yes to Jesus and to be reunited with our heavenly father. It was a moment of triumph and that free gift of eternal life, that free gift of salvation is offered to everyone. But it's this bridge that we have to choose to walk across. We have to choose Jesus. Romans 10, nine says, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means when we proclaim that Jesus is the Lord of our lives and our savior, and we believe that in our hearts, we experience the fullness of his grace. We experience the fullness of who he is. We experience the freedom from our past and we experience so much favor and purpose for our future. And although we will face trials in this life, because everybody does, we now know that the creator of the universe is right there with us in every trial, in every valley. He is walking with us and he's given us the confidence to know that no matter what happens here in this earthly life, we can have the confidence to know that we're going to have eternal life with him in heaven. That's the narrative that he offers you. And that, that's some good news. He offers that to all of us. That's the truth of the gospel, that we are all called to proclaim with power, 
with purity and with the purpose of being heard. So say to yourself real quick, I've got some good news. I feel like only 10% of the room believe that. Tell your neighbor, say, I've got some good news. There's some good news. So no matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter how awful our day might be, we all get to choose to bear this good news first to ourselves, to the enemy, and then to the people around us. Look, I know there's some people in this room that might be hearing this good news for the very first time, or maybe you've heard it before, but this is the first time that it's making sense for you. I wanna give you a chance to fully embrace this and change the narrative of your life in a moment. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. I'm gonna pray this prayer where you're gonna acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believe it in your hearts and declare it with your lips. And in this moment, you could start a relationship with the creator who made you, the creator who knows you. You could become a representative of the King and a herald of hope. And so I'm going to ask everybody just to bow their heads and close their eyes. And to all the believers in the room, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud so that new believers have the confidence to confess it with their mouths too. So if you want to pray this prayer today, say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you died but rose again. Today I proclaim that you are my Lord and Savior. Today I embrace the good news of the gospel. I rebuke any lies of the enemy I ever believed and I declare the truth of your word over my life. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Purify my life. Renew my mind. Empower me to be your herald of hope. In your almighty name I pray. Amen.